hosting for your tech life. Proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episode 325 of Your Tech Life. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin. Garmin Satellite Navigation, GPS, fitness tracking systems, there's so many about. And you can find out more about them at garmin.com.au. Um, a Monday episode for you because we're going to the, heading to the bush heading to the country with the kids and the wife, the family, that should be really called, uh, tomorrow. Um, so I'll be away for a few days. And those of you that listen to you, Two Blokes Talking Tech, we discussed, actually, at the end of last week's Two Blokes Talking Tech, I just said soon or something. So we're going to do one episode in between now. So for the next two weeks, there'll be one Two Blokes Talking Tech episode kind of on Friday or Monday next week because I'm going to New York next week. So I won't be able to get Two Blokes Talking Tech done there, but... Lots to talk about regardless. So thank you for the early um, instalment this week. I hope you don't mind. You don't have to press play. If you've, if you've started listening and you're thinking, well, this is going to throw my entire week out of whack, just pause it and come back tomorrow. Okay? It's all right. It's totally cool. I'll keep all the news until tomorrow for you. Okay? So just pause it now. For those of you sticking around, thank you for joining me. Um, it is great to have you coming. We're going to talk Windows 10 today because I've had a very deep experience with Windows 10, which I want to share, and it's been quite uh, educational for me. In fact, over the last week, I have to talk about Tinder. Um, This story today is just blowing my mind, and I really think we need to talk about it in much greater detail and and share that conversation with the people you know and people you love and people you trust because it's an important conversation to have about kids and Tinder. We'll also talk about the Beatles uh, we'll talk about Crossy Road. What else will we talk about? We might even talk about parking. Why on earth would we talk about parking, you say? Well, there's, app, there's an app for that. So let's talk about parking. We'll, um, we'll talk to someone who's had an app around for a very long time, something like eight years. Uh, so definitely worthwhile talking about someone who's had a successful app for that period of time. You know how many apps just disappear after a small amount of time? Let's let's celebrate those that are still pushing on and, and forming great businesses out of it. So that is all ahead here. Thanks to the good people at Garmin on Your Tech Life. Before we get techie, a quick shout out to uh, the awesome people who have taken the time to go to iTunes and uh, leave a comment and a rating. Um, I appreciate it when you do that and uh, it doesn't take much of your time. Um, consider that your down payment for the next 50 episodes, okay? Every comment I get is a down payment for the next 50 episodes. So if you haven't made a payment, um, be careful. I have a debt collection agency. They will come to your house, they will knock on your door, and they will transcribe a rating, and it will have to be five stars. You don't get a choice. If we have to knock on your door, it's no choice. Um, I joke, obviously. Uh, the first one, um, these are both on the weekend, Saturday. Uh, Trevor Rocks by Shawini. Oh, I don't know how you pronounce that. Anyway, great, clear Australian tech podcast. Makes tech easy to understand and delivered in a relaxed and informative manner with no spin. Deserves its top rating. Listening to you through Overcast for iOS. Keep up the great work, mate. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, Overcast, it's a, it's a small portion of the audience, but still there. Uh, I'd love to tweet me, uh, at Trevor Long. Let me know why. It's um, why you choose your particular podcast app. What, what is it about the app? What feature does it have 
that makes you uh, you choose it. Then on Sunday, um, Healthy7 uh, says, I listen regularly to mo- your most informative program, and I always learn something new. Thank you so much, Oldie. Uh, I obviously assume you have that voice, but that's okay. You don't have to. Um, great comments. Thank you very much. It was um, It's wonderful to read them. I've got a little website now I can go to just to read the comments. I don't even need to open iTunes. It's so easy. Um, but yes, thank you. Uh, thank you for those comments. Um, uh, it was also, uh, you, you left that comment on Sunday. I, for those of you in Sydney and who follow me on Twitter, you might have noticed I did six hours on uh, Radio 2UE on Sunday. General talkback, no tech, just having fun on the radio, talking about anything from eating bugs to... Uh, Bobby Darren to Sydney Comedy Festival and and the Augusta Masters. It was fun. So uh, if that happens again or I do any more shifts, you can always find that kind of stuff on Twitter. And the other thing I'd say before I get into the the actual business of the program, Snapchat's a bit of fun. I'm starting to really quite enjoy it. I'll be honest. I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to enjoy it. Um, The... Uh, the username for me is Trevor Long AU. Um, so you can add me on Snapchat at Trevor Long AU. The people that are watching this on Snapchat have already done that. So that's pretty useless. But I'm telling the podcast listeners to add me. You know, it's good. Um, so that'll now come back. I can, I can probably listen to that back. I've, I've, I've said that on Snapchat. So that's a bit meta. Uh, let's, let's put it some text on it. So Snapchat is... Simple little photos or videos that you can put text on top of. So I'm going to say, promoting my Snapchat account. And then done. And I can put a sticker on there as well. You know, what would I put? It wouldn't be a a radio. I might put the mobile phone. I will put a little mobile phone emoji on the screen. Make it a bit bigger and twist it around a bit. Um, And then we can draw on the screen too. So... I can I can draw a microphone, be silly with that, and type the just write the word hi. It's fun. So if you're on Snapchat, add me um, at TrevorLongAU. So easy peasy uh, lemon squeezy. I don't think that's what they actually say anymore. But anyway, Snapchat's fun. Um, add me. Let's uh, let's snap. Let's snap. <laughs> uh, let's get techie. Insight into how the media works. Let me let me educate you while I tell you this story because I think the timeline here is quite relevant. Um, often times I will be planning a, a segment, for example, on the Today Show. Many many days I'll I'll come up with an idea for a show. We'll talk about it, and it could be a week or two away. And and in the days leading up to that, I'll there's a producer who will be assigned to the segment, and we'll talk about how it'll work, and we'll write up graphics, and I'll talk about how what products I'm going to bring in, or whatever it might be. Then for some more newsy items, um, we might talk about it the day before. 
and uh, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, talk about what, what's the news, and that I'll come in and we'll just quickly talk about this story. That's, that's, that's how it rolls. This morning at 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning, my phone rang, and I assumed it was a radio station, because radio stations are the complete opposite. A radio station can ring me and say, hey, can we talk to you in five minutes about X topic? And I'll go, can you send me a link to this story, because I need to read it. Because everyone in the media reads other sources of the media, so newspapers, websites, and there's some great stories around. So this morning there was a story on the Courier-Mail about 13-year-olds on Tinder. And my 6.30 phone call was not a radio station, it was Channel 9. They wanted to, they wanted to talk to me at 7 o'clock. But bam, I live 45 minutes away. <laughs> that was not going to happen. So we pushed it back to 8 o'clock, and I quickly showered, got in the car, got to Channel 9. And I arrived at about 7.30, half an hour before we go on air. Let's be honest, makeup is not a big thing for me. They just take the shine off the old um, balding noggin, and that's two-minute job. So that was easy, and I'm standing around waiting. The producer comes down and says, can you, can you use the, our iPad and, and show it on screen? I said, what? The, the Tinder account. I went, I don't have a Tinder account. Can you create one? I went, oh, bloody okay. So I've downloaded the Tinder app. This is 20 minutes before we're going on air. Download the Tinder app, and it, it's linked to your Facebook. Now, on no circumstances do I want to link my Facebook to Tinder. So... Here's what I did 20 minutes before going to air on Channel 9 this morning. I registered a new Facebook account for someone called Billy Green. I tried to make them 12 years old. It didn't let me, so I made them 14 years old. Um, I created the Facebook account. I verified their email address, which I've got hundreds of email addresses. That was easy, and you can register a Gmail account very quickly and easily, so that is not a stumbling block to anyone creating a Facebook account. And bingo, I had a Facebook account as an 18, as a 14-year-old. 13 and up, you can have a Facebook account according to Facebook. So then I open the Tinder app, and the Tinder app says log in with Facebook. So I, I log in with Facebook, and I add my Facebook username and password, and it requires me to receive a text message to verify the account. <clears throat> so I use my mobile phone. But let's be clear, a child, <clears throat> excuse me, a child could go to the next room, mum's in the kitchen, Phones in the lounge room, they could put their mum's phone number in, they could receive the text, and they could enter the code, and Tinder is activated. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, I was shocked by what I saw, okay? Now, imagine I'm a 14-year-old boy, so let's just talk about this as a genuine teenage thing. So I'm not a 39-year-old weirdo, I'm not a a predator, I'm just a 14-year-old boy, and I've installed Tinder. The first thing I see is a beautiful young girl who claims to be 15 years old in not a provocative outfit, but certainly, you know, a very attractive pose. So I swipe left to say no, because that's how it works. You swipe left or you swipe right. I didn't want to swipe right on anyone because that's going to create a whole other world of pain. Picture after picture was young girls posing. Now, not scantily clad, but posing. You know, not trying to be models, but close to it. I was blown away. We we did this live on air. We blurred the photos, but I was swiping away, and Lisa and Carl were blown away, and so was I. At A, the age of these kids, B, the pictures, and C, the concept of 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds on an app that is basically a dating app. Let's not kid ourselves. You can sugarcoat this all you like. But Tinder is an app that allows people to find other people they might want to hook up with. Now, hook up in a teenage sense does not mean uh, illicit activity. 
It could just mean going to the movies. But do you want your 13-year-old swiping left and right on 13 and 14-year-olds to go to the movies with? Hell no. You can go with your mates from school. And if you want to find a girl, find a girl from school. And that's my position as a parent. And then, so that that's that's the that's the good level of it, right? The question is, do you want your, your teenage kids doing this? Then there's the question of, do you want a 13-year-old being able to hook up with a 17-year-old? Or vice versa, a 17-year-old being able to hook up with a 13-year-old? Now, yes, in Tinder, the 13-year-old can say, I only want to find people in this range. It could be 13 or 14. But who's doing that? Okay, they're not. Now... That's So that's a second level of problem. Now, the next level of problem is anyone, anyone can choose any age on these apps. And that means that at the first level, kids can fake their age. So a 16-year-old can say she's 19 and start getting matches from over-18s because the under-18s only see matches from under-18s. The over-18s see matches from over-18s, and I mean everyone over 18. So... A 16-year-old can pretend to be 18 and start to see a whole other world. An 18-year-old can pretend to be 16 and start to see a whole other world. That's confusing and, and not great too. And of course, the absolute worst part of this is a 52-year-old, sick, disgusting, predatory pedophile can put a picture of a suave young 14-year-old boy and all the right things, and he can swipe away to see if he can groom a few 14-year-old, 15-year-old girls, start a chat, da-da-da-da-da, and try and meet up to say good day. And I don't want to think about what happens next. This is a massive problem which cannot be stopped with technology. This is the most important thing I can say to you. And Carl and Lisa were rightly asking those same questions. What can be done? Can we legislate? Can we do this? Now, if we ban Tinder, another app will be built. There'll be another app built. Kids will go there. Kids will flock to that other app. Can Facebook cut its age? Now, Facebook's not responsible for Tinder. Facebook for 13-year-olds, I'm kind of okay with. Um, so what, what do we do? How do you verify the age of people? You can't. How do you put a 100-point check-in for people online? I don't think you can. So what do we do? I I feel for parents of 12 to 16-year-olds because I don't know how you educate those kids. I hope that my 9, 5, and 4-year-olds will grow up being educated about these things because 5, 10 years ago, you weren't thinking about this. Now we are. We can talk about it. It's not to say there'll be another threat, another problem later on. But here's my thing. I think parents, firstly, they need to read up on this. You need to read things. Like, I've written a long article. Read it. Understand it. Sign up, use the thing, understand how it works, and talk to your kids. Okay, talk to your kids about it. Talk to your kids about the disgusting things that predators do so that they are scared. They have to be scared, otherwise, there's no reason to, to listen to you. Talk to them about what they're doing. Talk to them about the fact there's a 15 year old girl, you may say, I'm okay with you being on Tinder, but here's the rules. So, what are the rules? The rules are you only talk to that person on Tinder. So the app controls the conversation. The second rule is that if they want to go into another app, you don't go where they want to go. So if they say, let's go to Wicca, you say, no, no, no. You take them to WhatsApp or to your SMS or something like that so that it's a control at your end. Never do what they want, only do what you want. They want to meet up. Sure. 
in a public place that you name and you take your three girlfriends. And I'm going to sit across the way in a cafe watching. You have to accept, I think as a parent, these things are going to happen. And you have to accept you can't control everything they do. So find ways to create rules that work for you. I don't know that my rules that I've just come up with off the top of my head today are anywhere near okay, but they have to be a start. Start the conversation with your kids because this is a worrying issue and there will be terrible stories come out in the years ahead, I've got no doubt, because we live in a terrible world and terrible things have always happened. This is not new, but we need to be ready for the conversation with our kids. So, yeah, I was shocked by that. I was stunned by that. And um, I am worried by that. And I want everyone to be worried by it because that way everyone's thinking about it. Okay. And that's what I want. Everyone thinking about it so that we are on board together trying to educate people. I can't educate everyone. A very small percentage of the population listen to this podcast. Even a small, uh, and only a, a small percentage watch the Today Show, even though it's, it's a huge media outlet. We have to tell everyone. We have to tell our friends. You have to talk about this at the, the family barbecue. You have to talk about this at dinner with your friends. So not, not creating alarm, but creating conversation. Okay? That's what I want. I want us to create conversation. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin here at Your Tech Life. The Vivo Fit 3 is the activity tracker with automatic activity detection. Whether you're walking around the office or going for a jog, Vivo Fit 3 can automatically detect your activity using Garmin Move IQ and display it on Garmin Connect. Wear it comfortably for 24-7 to monitor sleep and count steps. Even get reminded to move after an hour of inactivity with the red move bar. It's water resistant, has a one-year battery life and can be dressed up with interchangeable style collection bands to suit every moment of your active lifestyle. Uh, check it out at garmin.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, if there's one thing we love, it's convenience and saving money. When you put those two things into one app, life gets very good. And there's, a, there's an Aussie parking app that, uh, that's been around for some time and uh, still making inroads into the world of parking because it's not like you can just set up your own parking stations, right? That's pretty expensive. So uh, I wanted to talk to uh, to the man behind the app, Michael Doherty from Cello Park. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Doing well, Trevor, and yourself? Mate, very well. We should confirm it's it's Cello Park, C-E-L-L-O-P-A-R-K. So C-E-L-L-O Park. Is that name because you're hoping to break it internationally and we call mobile phones cell phones overseas? Yeah, like you said, we've been around for a while, and uh, yeah, it's exactly as you say. We're thinking global, and uh, some parts of the world they talk about their cell phones. So yeah, cell cell phone parking. So before we get into the detail of the app, I'm curious about the the business of making an app that is now nearly eight years old, um, mm-hmm. and and you know trying to maintain the the rage. I, I guess you know I I've spoken to app developers who, who've made millions. And, and good luck to them very quickly. Um, I've spoken yep. to plenty of app developers who've got ideas that I think it's admirable that they've got the ideas, but I worry that they're sinking 10000 of their own money into something that'll never get traction. So how does, how does a business uh, like Cello Park maintain the rage, maintain the drive um, to, to you know, push forward and keep, keep pushing over such a long period of time? Is, is it because you, you were successful early on and started making the money or have you literally just been pushing and pushing knowing that you've got the right thing happening? 
I think it's a combination of things, Trevor. We've, we've uh, started off with some good financial backing, so we understood uh, from the market research that it wasn't going to be an overnight success. Mm. But by the same token, the uh, commercial models that we've put in place combined with some uh, some good fortune early on do mean that we're, we're already profitable. And, um, you know, unlike some of those people that you've met that have a good idea and want to quickly make a million dollars very easily, we're passionate about this technology. We understand that, as you said, you know, the convenience and cost-saving aspects of it are the way of the future, and we just uh, persist. And, and if it comes to uh, you know, selling to parking providers, be them, be them universities or councils, for example, persistence helps. So let's talk about the app in simple terms. You've developed an app that allows you to pay for parking on your app with simplicity, instead of having to go to a meter and either feed it coins, tap and go, put your credit card in, any of those things. So we're talking mainly about kind of uh, street parking or um, enclosed parking lots like a university. Uh, is that the kind of parking you're, you're targeting? Yeah, the parking industry sort of divides itself into, they talk about on-street parking, which is where you have to prove that you've uh, paid somehow, otherwise the, uh, the parking officer is going to place a fine on your yeah. windscreen wiper. And then there's off-street parking where you, you pull a ticket and the boom arm lets you in and you're not going to be let out until you pay some money to get out again. So right. we're really focusing at this stage on the on-street component. That's mm-hmm. what you know is, is really the sweet spot for us. But we've also got some things in the works that will uh, allow us to get our member motorists in and out of some off-street car parks as well. So the process as a solo park app user is obviously, first you download the app, you register uh, your own details, your card details, and some payment details, right? Or a credit card, PayPal, is that the, the kind of mechanism? Yeah, that's right. So the majority of our users give us a Visa card or a MasterCard uh, details for payment, and um, there's some other options as far as prepaid cards that are unique to Solo Park as well. But you're right, uh, once you've signed up and you've become a member, then you can uh, find those those areas where Solo Park operates Start and stop your parking sessions, and uh, we bill you at the end of the month. So you pull up at a at a parking, you know, spot on the side of the street. You've jagged a spot; it's perfect. You look at the me- look at the sign. It says, you know, two hour parking with a ticket. And then, is there uh-huh. a sign on the street sign, or is it on the parking meter that there's a, a cello park sticker, which has, I guess, a unique identifier for that area? Yeah, they're, they're all, there's always, where we operate, there's always a uh, sticker on that ticket machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in many instances, there's also some information on the on the poles or the sign that you're looking up that's, that, that tells you it's a 2P. It may also tell you that uh, there's Cello Park operating and the, and the zone number. Because it only needs to say Cello Park and a number, doesn't it? For someone who uses the app, that's, it's not like they need a whole big sign. They just need to know the number. So you put the number into the no, app that, and... and you know, if, if if I go to a meter, I'm going to put in more than I need because I don't want to get booked, right? So if I'm there for an 11 o'clock meeting, I'm there at 10 to 11, I think it's going to be a half-hour meeting. I'm going to fill it up till 12. So I'm paying for an hour and 10 minutes of parking. What's the situation with Cello Park? Do you pre-assume the amount or do you log off at the at the completion of the parking? Yeah, it's what we call start-stop parking, Trevor. So you uh, pull up there at whatever time uh, it is and you press the start button or you slide the start on the app and uh, that starts a countdown timer. We know from the zone you, that you've selected that in your example it's a two-hour spot. Mm-hmm. So start counting down from, from, from two hours. And the beauty is that when your meeting only goes for 20 minutes and not 30 minutes, 
So you're, you're back at 10 past, you get back into your car, you press stop, and you only pay for those 20 minutes that you, uh, you were parked there for. Right. And also the other beauty would be, I assume, and I, I admit I haven't used it, but you, you, you're in my pocket, right? So you can prompt me if the time is coming up. Could I set alerts to, to warn me? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we're, as I said earlier, we're a big proponent of the technology and we think everyone should be able to use it and not pay any more than what they currently do at the machine. So we have what we call a basic account that costs you no more than feeding coins and cards into the machine. And if you're uh, wealthy enough to afford $1.99 a month... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Then, Calm uh, down on the $1.99, my friend. That's just outrageous. <laughs> That's like the cost of, a, of an in-app purchase. It's not even the cost of a coffee. So what... Sorry, what, I interrupted you. Well, what do you get for your $1.99? You get, you get two really cool forms of alerts. You'll, you'll get a text message if that 2P space is uh, rapidly approaching the two-hour mark. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll suggest that you should move your car, of course. And the other form of alert is what we call iMoved. And uh, those, those premium account holders that get the alerts, they will be reminded when they're driving along in their car at uh, faster than walking pace that they have a solo park session running that they might have forgotten about ending and uh, they might want to save some money for a pressing stop on the app. Now, who thought of that? Because that's brilliant. You're sitting around a board table, you're sitting around lunch and someone goes, you know what, actually, we know how fast they're going. So if they haven't logged off... That's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Was that there from the start, or is that a, an added feature over the years? No, we're, we're constantly looking at uh, features to add and, and, and improve the offering. And I wish I could say that I thought of it, but there's some smarter people <laughs> than myself coming up with that one. Um, so, how, what's the challenge? The challenge is obviously getting street signs with Cello Park, you know, logos on them and, and stickers on the parking meters. Um, you're knocking on doors, I guess, at every single council across the country trying to get them to add this as a payment mechanism. Is that, is that the way it works? You hit the nail on the head, yeah. So we look at all of the parking providers, which are primarily councils across the country that do charge for parking. They're the ones we're obviously interested in talking to. And it's then a matter of um, you know, getting, getting the buy-in and, and educating those, those people that have used parking meters or ticket machines you know, since, the, since the 40s. Uh, to change their thinking and not only offer something that can uh, fit in somebody's pocket, but also go ticketless and uh, you know allow these motorists to uh, start and stop their their parking and, and just talking to uh, you know councils and universities and the like about the benefits of this technology. That's that's where the the, the challenge is and has been historically, but we're starting to find now with some uh, you know some big cities on the map like uh, Brisbane, for example, that. The, the, the time is right. People really do want to uh, use a, an app to pay for their parking. And those machines on the side of the road, you know, they're old-fashioned stuff. And obviously the business model is that you make money out of the parking. So how do the councils react to someone else clipping the ticket on their huge revenue source? I mean, is that the biggest challenge is to get them to understand that maybe there's some upside? You, you've probably got stats. You might not be able to share them. But because people are able to leave and pay for what they had, you're freeing up a parking space. I don't know. Is the... Is the efficiency of the system assisting them with revenue um, because they would make money from people like me who pay too much. So mm. there, there must be some people that go, no, 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 we'll, we'll keep taking people's extras and others that go, actually, it's a good service and convenient. Is it, is it a, a balancing act for the councils? Yeah, it is, it is a little bit. Um, what surprised me when I got into the industry is how much money it actually costs to run those machines. Right. Um, you know, there's some there's some pretty interesting technology around the tickets themselves. They're, they're thermal paper tickets, but they can't fade in the sun on the dashboard, and they're plastic coated. Blah blah blah. 
then you throw in some costs of cash collection and maintaining these moving parts and so on and so forth. But council's actually forking out quite a fair bit of that revenue before they can even collect it. So you're we're, saying we're basically saying, this is the future, this is the first step yeah. towards not having to have machines. Just remove the machines, put a sign up and you're done. Yeah, spot on. So we talk about you know these five-year vision, the 10-year vision, how nice. many machines will there be on the side of the road? There'll be a whole lot less than what there is today is certainly what, what we're talking about. And, um, you know, as far as that overfeeding the meter, I don't think any political organisation wants to hand on heart say, yes, we want uh, our constituents to overpay for their parking. So the smart ones are starting to come around. So how does the ranger know to book me or not? It's all based on the licence plate of your car. So every every vehicle on the road has a, a number plate or a licence plate attached to it. And as a motorist, you're just confirming that that's the car you're driving today and you're starting and stopping a session against that number and the ranger comes along um, if it's an area that has uh, ticketed parking and he sees that there's no ticket on the dashboard he can very simply and easily check in our database in real time to see whether you've got a session running and uh, he just moves on and doesn't issue an infringement. And of course that's a smartphone app so it's not an overhead for the council because it's an extra bit of proprietary technology they need to carry around he's just using a smartphone to check the check the the spot is paid for or issue a fine. I mean, that's the future for them as well. They carry around these extra things. They could be using smartphones if they're not already. Yeah, that's right. Some of them uh, are starting to move to smartphones. So uh, your typical parking officer would have a, uh, a thermal printer attached to his belt and that's connected by Bluetooth to a smartphone, as you say. So we're using that existing infrastructure and that existing connection to the internet uh, just to let him see whether whether people have paid for their parking. Where it gets really cool, Trevor, is when uh, we we fully deploy the whole kit and caboodle and we start talking about license plate recognition cameras, mm. um, and that, uh, that that really saves the council a lot of money because they're not having people walking in pairs, pounding the pavement. Uh, they've got people driving in, in an air-conditioned car and covering uh, many many kilometres as uh, our technology automatically checks vehicles as it goes past. So and you're not the only one space. you're not the only one in this space. Uh, because now that I talk about it, I recall using a similar type of technology, a similar app, I guess, in a um, let's say northern Sydney council. Um, so what's your unique selling point when you sit in front of a council and they say, Well yeah, we've got this bloke here or what how do you sell them on, on Cello Park? Yeah, I think it's that integration with other technologies is certainly certainly one of those things. And there's there's uh, aspects that are beneficial for the motorist as well. I, I mentioned earlier that we have prepaid options. A lot of those competitors don't. Um, you mentioned at the, at the start of the piece that we've been around for a long time. We predate smartphones. We also have... <laughs> You know, IVR technology where um, your grandmother with a 2G Nokia with rubber buttons on it can actually dial the solo park telephone number and press one to start her parking, for example. So mm. there's, there's a whole bunch of features and benefits that really put us head and shoulders above the others. It's a pretty exciting space to be in. It is, it's encouraging to hear of a company that is an app uh, that's uh, long in the teeth in terms of age, it's doing well in terms of revenue and profitability, and uh, it's encouraging to hear an Aussie app. How's the international space looking, or are you just going to nail it uh, domestically first? We're, we're sort of at that point where we're starting to discuss uh, going for, for business overseas. Um, interestingly, certain parts of the world are ahead of Australia when it comes to this sort of technology, and mm. others are not. So uh, we'll, we'll just have to choose carefully and uh, you know, see if we can conquer the world. 
Well, good luck with the world-conquering uh, mission Cello Park. I'm assuming free to download, easy to set up. Michael Doherty, thanks for the chat, mate. Thank you for the chat. Okay. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your tech, tech life with Trevor Long. Can you believe the Beatles um, have only been available on Spotify for 100 days? Uh, it was Christmas Eve last year that the, the Spotify collection was updated to include the Beatles. Uh, now, this is a big deal because... That's a huge music library. It's one of the most popular bands in the world. You know, there's a whole heap of reasons why that's a big news thing. So it was cool because, and it was Apple Music as well, but Spotify is the one that's on the front foot here releasing data about Spotify usage of the Beatles. And it's quite cool. I, I, I love data. I think it's a really cool thing to see what other people are doing and the trends that it creates and, and those kind of conversations. Now, there are 6.5 million listeners around the world tuning into the Beatles every month. That is very cool. 6.5 million people a month. Can you imagine being uh, Paul McCartney at his age, uh, you know, 50 years since you created the music, and there are 6.5 million people listening to your music? It's just sensational. 67% of those listeners are under 35. Now, that goes predominantly to the fact that a large percentage of Spotify users are under 35, but that doesn't matter. In Australia, 25 to 34-year-olds are the most prolific streamers of the Beatles. Globally, 65% of Beatles listeners are male. Hey, what's going on there, ladies? Come on, equality. Uh, If you added the Beatles to a Spotify playlist, that's one of 4.2 million playlists in the world now featuring the Beatles. And if you put all the songs played in the first 100 days back-to-back, it would take 2,793 years to listen. In Australia and around the world, Thursday is the most popular day for listening to the Beatles. That's a cool stat for a, for a quiz or a barbecue. And at 10 a.m., Australian Eastern Standard Time is the most popular time of day for Aussie Spotify listeners to flick on a Beatles tune. I love it. That is very, very cool. The top four most listened to tracks in Australia, Here Comes the Sun, Hey Jude, Let It Be, and I Want to Hold Your Hand. Top four most listened to albums in Australia are One, Abbey Road, The Beatles, and let it be. There's a whole bunch of information and an infographic uh, on eftm.com.au. So here's uh, here's the thing. I'm not I'm not allowed by law, no, by my wife, to help people with their computers. <laughs> I do it on the radio. I do it on the podcast. But I'm not allowed to go to people's houses and help them. Um, because I was doing it so much that it was taking up so much of my time and sometimes I was frustrated because it was so much work and very little reward and those kind of things. So I don't actually tinker with computers much apart from my own. But the local preschool where my kids go were in panic mode on Monday morning uh, last week. Their computer had upgraded to Windows 10 and something wasn't working. They couldn't print the daily reports. Now... This triggered with me because over the last two weeks, I've had a lot of calls on the radio on 2UE from people with issues with Windows 10 that it's upgraded itself. So it seems to me that Windows has now started pushing a little bit harder on its whole, you've got to upgrade. Why don't you upgrade? No, no, we're just going to upgrade you concept. And it, and I've noticed that on the Windows machine I have in my studio, I have a studio computer that simply shows my real-time Google Analytics. And it's an old Windows machine, Windows 7 or 8. Um, and it's Windows 8, I think, and 
the pop-up message changed so that the button, so it says, you know, you could say, okay, the button for okay was we'll schedule an update in so many days instead of being, okay, I'll come back to you later. So it's a tricky thing of making the button the thing that you need to press, but it's actually the thing you don't want to press. It's very confusing. So people have been doing that and getting the upgrade. So I went and sat at this Windows 10 computer and um, the network was partially working, but it wasn't getting on the internet and it just seemed something was wrong with the Wi-Fi. Now, I've got to be honest, I didn't want to hang around for long. So I went, you know what, the easiest thing to do here is to roll back to Windows 7. Are you all okay with that? And they went, yeah, absolutely. So I started the process. After about half an hour of tinkering, I started the process to roll back. Played with the toys with the sun and looked up and it was done. It was rebooting into Windows 7. Yay! (laughs) This is possibly the stupidest, funniest and silliest thing that I've ever seen happen to a computer, right? Here's what happened. It boots up into Windows 7 for the first time. Start menu appears. It's all there. It's loading the icons. And then a window appears. Windows 10 upgrade will commence in 59 minutes and 55, 54, 50. It started the countdown to upgrade to Windows 10 again. I had just clicked rollback. I had just clicked remove on Windows 10. And the first thing it did when it got back to Windows 7 was start the upgrade. I have never laughed so much in my life. It was so funny. I I put a photo on Snapchat um, and I wrote a story about it. But here's what I also did. I I took the recommendation of a listener who rang me on on 2UE and said, look, here's what I did. I installed a thing called GWX Control Panel. Now, it's a very old-style looking piece of software, but it's very simple too. You download it. It's free. And there's a button there to disable the Get Windows 10 app, prevent Windows 10 upgrades, delete Windows 10 download folders, and a whole bunch of other things. But essentially, um, and, you know, I'm just looking at it now. It could be could be gigabytes of data being taken up. Um, so, you know, really interesting that they're going down that kind of pushy route. But this GWX control panel is sensational. I've had this Windows computer in my office. It's always on. And it's just one screen. It used to pop up over the top of it. It's gone. No more prompts. No more questions. No more asking me to download. All done. Now, here's the thing. All of that's very funny, and, and I found the way around it. But remember this. The Windows 10 upgrade is free for a limited time, for one year. So I think in late June, the year will be up. And if you want Windows 10 after that point, you will need to pay so do you want to pay for that software upgrade or do you want to take it for free it is very reliable now it is very good i wouldn't do it on a computer over four years old i wouldn't do it on a laptop over three years old unless you've done your research with the vendor on their website about what is available to download in terms of updates for the mouse pad the display driver all these different things make sure that there's windows 10 software available from that vendor if you've done that you'll be okay it's actually not too bad um, it's, it's working very well in most cases. So I actually, encar- I do, this is the funny thing about this whole gibberish editorial is I encourage you to get windows 10 because it's free and it's good. It's the best operating system in, in years, but if you don't want it and you're sick of the pop-ups, GWX control panel, a fantastic bit of software, very easy to use, uh, and highly recommended here on your tech life. Um, let me know what your experience is with Windows 10. Jump on the website, eftm.com.au, or tweet me, at Trevor Long. 
Now, just quickly before I go to pack my bags, going to see my nana. Lovely nano, I love it a bit. I haven't seen it in ages. Um, so we're going all the way down to Narendra. We've got a beautiful big Range Rover we're going to take, which will be nice. Um, big LCD dashboard too. It's a very, um, it's a very nice bit of kit, the old Rangey. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that uh, Disney had done a deal with the Hipster Whale folks, Matt and Andy and co, uh, who made Crossy Road to develop an app called Disney Crossy Road. Now, I've been playing it for a few weeks. They gave me early access and I'm addicted. Uh but it's now available for everyone, which is great. Now, it is very, very cool. You can It's Crossy Road in all its form, but it's now themed. So you can have Mickey and Friends, and you can be Donald, Pete, Horace, Mortimer, Polka Dot Mini, uh, Blue Dress Mini, Daisy, Goofy, Pluto, Clarabelle, Willie the Giant, and two mystery characters. Or you can go and be a character in Zootopia, Two Story, Toy Story, Haunted Mansion, Lion King, Tangled, Big Hero 6, Inside Out, Wreck-It Ralph. Um, there's a whole bunch of characters to get. And the cool thing here is <clears throat> the levels are different. So Toy Story level, stuff comes at you from every angle. Um, in the inside out level, you actually collect memory ball, memory orbs and deposit them into these suction things and you earn more points. So they're not all just the endless hopper. Some of them have other elements to them. And again, you can in-app purchase all you like, but you can also just earn, earn, earn um, characters, rewards, coins to... Uh, to buy more characters, whatever it is. <clears throat> it's very cool. It is very addictive. And I think what they've done is say, well, Crossy Road is, is a single style game with a single bunch of characters which they can update. But this is multi-leveled, multi-themed, and each theme is different in its in its application in the way the game works. I hope the blokes at Hipster Whale make another million squillion dollars because it's bloody awesome. It's a great app. I wish I was one of them because I could do with some money. But... Good on them. They've made something amazing. I might get them on the show in a week or two to see um, how something like that comes about because it's just it's just so cool, so awesome, um, and it, it's really enjoyable to to see people doing well and, and having success, don't you think? So um, that's Disney Crossy Road, available now on Amazon, iOS, and Android. Uh, download it now. Um, support the Aussies and, um, you know, buy the odd character if you like. 99 cents, two ninety nine, one ninety nine. There's a few there. They're all pretty cool. Um, support the Aussies, eh? Let's let's all download Disney Crossy Road. Well, that's a wrap. That's enough. That's for me. Um, I've got a few things to do before I go. So thank you for allowing me to to pump out a nice little potty on Monday night. And um, uh, as I said, if you if you've held off and you've listened on Wednesday, that's cool. Uh, Two Blokes Talking Tech will be back um, probably at the very end of this week or very early next week. I'm off to New York next Wednesday for. Uh, a press event with Acer, see what sort of new computers or, or what they've got happening. It'll be a quick trip and then back. But uh, until then, uh, please leave a rating, leave a review, get in touch. I love hearing from you on Twitter. It's cool fun connecting with people. Snapchat, Trevor Long AU. Instagram, Trevor Long AU. Twitter, Trevor Long. Twitter, EFTM. Facebook, TrevorLong.com. <laughs> I'm everywhere. Um, and thank you for listening. I appreciate your loyalty and support. Let's do it all again next time here on Your Tech Life. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.